Let's take our Bibles now. Turn in your Bible to <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Let's read these words together. I invite you to read these together in unison as a congregation. Everybody ready? Yeah. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that you have condescended to give us a book uh, written by your Holy Spirit through the hands and minds of men. And we pray now, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit and for, for the glory of Jesus and the reward that he's due, that you would use this just to propel us to live for you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, that's the calling, a vocal, I think that might be Latin, is, is call. <clears throat> the calling wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness. Interesting that that's the first Christian attribute that he brings out, isn't it? With all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, I want to talk mostly about this word forbearing, God willing, or I want to talk about that some. That is the word that, that jumped out at me when I was reading this this week. But I don't know if you've read the book of Ephesians before, it's kind of hard to read the book of Ephesians without the whole lot jumping out of you, right? Yes. Does anybody agree? Right. I mean, this Ephesians is kind of a false distinction in a way because it's all the word of God. I, I get that. But Ephesians just seems to be one of the more apparent pinnacles uh, in the word of God. It may not be as lengthy as a systematic theology as Romans presents, but the first three chapters of Ephesians is just divine, divine. Um, so I want to take a minute to just speak about the first three chapters of Ephesians because it is dealt with actually in the verses we read because it says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. In other words, in the earlier three chapters, he just dealt in the highest possible way with the calling that is upon our lives and that has come to us 
as followers of Jesus Christ. He's dealt with that calling in the earlier three chapters. I want to mention that. And he's also used the word therefore because of all this there. We're always looking for more know-how in this day and age. When what we really need is know why. If you don't know what the therefore is there for, it's not know how you're lacking, it's know why you're lacking. Because when you know why we need to live for the glory of God and live in a way that would please Him, you'll work out how to do it all by yourself and with the help of the Spirit of God. So I want to take a minute just to deal with this know why. How about this for some know why? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 1 who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now that's huge, right there. You just get a couple of verses in it and it's huge. God just said that he chose you to walk with him before he created the world. Spend a lifetime pondering that one, if you dare. So we're getting into some know-why here to fire us up into the, some practical instructions he gives later in the book. It's just huge. And that's, that's my summary of the first three chapters of Ephesians. Huge. He talks about the hugeness of our personal salvation. Do you praise God that you're saved? Yes. We were having a men's prayer meeting here this morning. We started just giving God some praise and worship and our prayers of praise and I praise God that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because yeah. I don't know about you I wasn't always a follower of Jesus Christ True. that's astounding I used to be lost yes. Yes. I used to not know God I was on the outside looking in do you remember a time in your life when you were on the outside looking in and you were like what's with these Christians What's driving them? What's giving them that joy? What is all this? I know they talk about this Bible. I don't quite get it all. I can see it at a distance. But do you remember a time like that in your life? But you can say, bless God today. I'm on the insight. I am not without hope and without God in this world. A foreigner to the covenants of Israel, as it says in Ephesians. Is that two or three? I can't remember. But no, you're on the inside now. You have hope. Bless God. Just to thank God. That, I mean, it's like I said, um, Paul in Ephesians, he makes our personal salvation huge. He makes, but, but then, I've got this documentary at home that I picked up at the Creation Museum. And um, I, I bought it because they actually show this presentation and they project it onto a curved ceiling. Have you ever been there? They project this presentation about the scales of the universe onto this curved ceiling. And they've got this, these theater seats where the seats, they scoot all the way back. So you're, you're looking at this um, presentation about the stars and the galaxies. And the presentation is about the scales of the universe. It starts out, um, it starts out with a kind of bird's eye view from the air of the Creation Museum itself in Kentucky, and then it goes, and then he says, this is the International Space Station. It orbits at approximately 200 miles or whatever it is, and then it goes, this is the solar system, 
and then it goes This is Alpha Centauri, the closest nearest star. And it keeps going out and 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 it just blows your mind. And then when they get to the furthest away point, he says, now, now what you've just seen, we're going to fly. It's all done using computer generated. Every star that you fly past, and I'm getting totally off track here, but this stirs me up. <laughs> and I will tie it in in a second. <laughs> Every star you fly past in the presentation, its actual location is actually accurate to scale. It's all generated by computer um, calculations. So anyway, once it gets you all the way out to the universe and you work and you work out how much of a blip 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 we are in the universe, he turns around and flies back past everything. It's just, man, it'll stir you up. It stirred me up so much. That's why I bought the DVD. My point with that is Paul is kind of doing the same thing here in Ephesians. Because just after he makes your personal salvation huger than you could ever usually think about on a day-to-day -day basis, the hugeness of how God, it says here, um, he chose us before the creation of the universe um, that I just spoke about. And, and you just when you get to the point where it's like, wow, Paul, you're right, it's huge, I'm saved, I know God, I've been called to walk with God. And then he goes and he talks about the hugeness of the plan of universal redemption, that actually personal salvation is only a small plan, part of God's plan of universal redemption to redeem the whole of creation back to and under Jesus Christ. So it gets even huger. Just when you thought it was huge, it gets even huger. It makes you feel small. And then he, gets, he, he talks about the hugeness of the church, of the, the Jewish and, and Gentile um, believers coming together in the church of Jesus Christ. And then he starts praying these huge prayers and it'll just blow your mind about the height of what, it's, what, God, what God wants us to reach to and walking with him. Okay? That's kind of like some of my summary of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Um, I mean, I, I, got to, I think I got to verse 3 in chapter 1. According as he has chosen us, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's huge. By the way, in this translation, this whole thing is like one sentence. I think this should be in the Guinness Book of Records for like the craziest sentence in the world. Ephesians chapter 1 is one of the craziest sentences I've ever read because I'm still in the same sentence. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. As if grace wasn't big enough on its own. He's talking about the riches of his grace, the glory of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation or the, the giving out, the working out of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and on earth even in him, in whom we have attained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will 
that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That's nuts. Absolutely huge and crazy. You could spend a lifetime unpacking just one of the clauses in one of those verses. The praise of his glory. The redemption of the purchased possession. Um, and he goes on from there. And of course he prays this huge prayer in Ephesians 1. And God, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Um, and then he goes on, in uh, chapter 2, he's talking about our salvation and some of the implications of our salvation. Um, and has raised us up together, verse 6, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come, to keep telling you how Paul's like huge in Ephesians, it's not just this limited view of salvation or the kingdom of God. He's talking about the ages to come. We're talking about our salvation and the, purchase, the purpose of it, not just being for this current um, existence as we know it, but the ages to come, which would be Jesus coming and reigning on earth and finally the new Jerusalem coming down, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, there it is again, and his, and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus, for by grace you are saved through faith. Everybody's familiar with verse 8, of course. but um, So it's just huge. And then he finishes all chapters 1 through 3 through another huge prayer, finishing in a huge statement to be huger than huge prayer. You know, for this cause I bow my knees, as 3.14, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Chapter 3, verse 16. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory. There it is again. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And God's praying for us to be able to comprehend something that is incomprehensible that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. In verse 20, we mentioned this last week, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. By the way, everything mentioned so far in the last three chapters of Ephesians is possible to think about. And he's big enough to do something that you couldn't even conceive of. Amen. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, forever and ever. 
Amen. Yeah, there's the no why. <laughs> That's the no why right there. And God help us to be charged up on the no why um, so that we'll figure the know how out. Because he says, I therefore. And he says, That's, you know, I did spend a few minutes there in that introduction, but I wanted to do that um, because we need it. I mean, you, we can't have this attitude, well, I just want to just kind of get over this whole kind of salvation thing and just kind of, you know, when I was first saved, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus, got that down pat, now just give me a list of things to do. You know, I'd be like, when I was first saved, I'd be reading through Ephesians and I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I got all that stuff, that's all cool, that's all kind of fancy stuff, yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus, that's great. Now just like, give me a list of things to do. Oh, okay, here's some right here. Forbear one another in love, okay, do that. Uh, what else? I've got some other things to do here. That how, that's how I thought when I was first saved, you know. That walking with God is more than something to do. It's someone to be with Jesus Christ living inside of us. You know, I mean, that will flow out into the things and the ways we should live. But um, I, I still haven't gotten over or fully worked out what happened, started to happen to me in October of 1997 and is still happening to me and I hope you haven't gotten over or fully worked it out yet either. Hopefully we'll get some more answers one day. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> but anyways, after all that, he goes on and he does say a couple of really simple points I want to make about this and then I'm done. He says in the context of all that, um, we're, we're called with, with quite a calling. Part of it is to walk in lowliness and meekness with long-suffering, but it does say forbearing one another in love. I want to make about four simple points about that here. Forbearing one another in love. Here my Amplify says, here bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. This is the life of the Spirit right here. <clears throat> and um, the, uh, the concordance, uh, it's funny, the Greek concordance said uh, that literally that word forbearing is to put up with. That, that would actually be more akin to modern vernacular. You just got to put up with each other sometimes. I mean, that's, that's an ironic statement, isn't it? Put up with one another in Agape. <laughs> I mean, normally you wouldn't think that the two would go together at all. I mean, surely there's no place for putting up with one another in the, the vastness of the love of God. But hey, this is the Holy Spirit talking now. Forbearing one another in love. And um, the English dictionary for the English word forbearing is ceasing, pausing, basically holding back, withholding from axing. Exercising patience in agape, in an unconditional laying down of our lives for one another. So I want to make four simple points. Number one, the Spirit of God, it says in the Bible, that the Spirit of God wants us to um, put up with certain things, bear with certain things. God told us to do that. So we've got to do it. It's not an option. We, we can't give up. We certainly can't give up on ourselves. We can't give up on other people. We can't just say, I'm just done. I'm just done 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fooling with that anymore, sorry. Well, my Bible says here that is not actually an attitude born of the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God puts up with stuff. Yet God puts up with all our drama, all our issues, all our shortcomings and failings. And he expects us to put up, to bear up, to, I'll get my words confused here, put up with one another. <laughs> okay? So that's, that's the first simple point. Fact. That's something that is the will of God for each and every one of us. It's never going to change. It's never going to go away. We need to do that, and His grace will help us to do that. Anything that God tells us to do tells you that His grace and His power will help you to do that. My God doesn't tell me to do anything. He's not going to give me the power, the strength, and the grace to do. Hallelujah. And that's what God is like. He is forbearing. I think I said that already. Bless God. And he wants us to be like that too. Okay. First, that's the first simple point. We're supposed to do that. Secondly, uh, the second point that occurred to me here is as I saw this, I mean, we, 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 we glorify the primitive church, don't we? The early church. And we cite examples from the early church like this was some kind of, you know, rose-tinted spectacles and stuff. Guess what? In, the, in this early church that we kind of like uh, look at romantically, they had to put up with each other. The, yeah, this is written to the, to, the, to the churches of Asia Minor. It's called to the Ephesians, but they believe it was actually a circular letter. You know, it went to the Ephesians. And, well, and the Holy Spirit was having to tell them in the first century, you need to put up with one another in love. Okay? He was telling them that in the first century. Hey, so it's, this thing's not going to go away, is it? It was there in the first century. It's here today. Um, it's always going to be there, this side of eternity. There's going to be a degree of putting up. So, putting up with each other. So, um, so following on from that, that second simple point, that it was, the, here it was, that the early church was being told to do this. Well, what, um, what do we need to put up with, specifically? <coughs> what do we need to put up with? We need to put up with me, uh, just, just the peculiarities of our humanity. We need to put up with one another's... Um, Immaturities, right? Our our yet incompleteness. We know that when we finally see him, we will be perfected. But um, apart from that, everybody else, we're all a work in progress, right? So we have to put up with one another's spiritual immaturities as we all grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We have to put up with our emotional immaturities, even as grown-ups, right? Yeah, grown-ups, grown-ups are, um, you know, it's funny because the beautiful things about kids, we don't have anymore. The ugly things about kids, we still have. We just cover up, right? So we have to put up with our emotional immaturities. We have to put up with our personality weaknesses, you know? And, and by the way, watch out on that one because anytime there's a personality weakness, the flip side of that is a strength, you know? And we all praise God for the, the strong things that are obvious. Um, the flip side of that is there's probably some weaknesses in the backside. And, and maybe sometimes we struggle with people's weaknesses, but the flip side of that is there's probably some pretty cool strengths on the backside of that that are really needed uh, in the church. So we need to put up with them. Um, personality weaknesses we need to we need to bear with in the spirit of god in love personality mismatches right (laughs) 
<clears throat> we need to put up with gender-related issues. Okay? Men are from Mars, women from Venus, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that was, that was like, a, I believe, a secular author that wrote that book. But he was actually, as a secular author, acknowledging the stark, almost a difference in species between men and women. And we need to put up with gender differences. Women need to put up with men. Men, we need to put up with women. <clears throat> um, we need to put up with um, just, just little issues of unfaithfulness. Some, some of us honestly drop the ball. We just, we're just unfaithful in certain areas. And it's not God's will. And we mess up. Um, but we need to put up with that. We need to bear with our, our unfaithfulnesses that all of us look back and say, yeah, I really needed to do that better. And I, I, I dropped the ball there. And I repent and I ask God to forgive me. We need to put up with um, just, just various and sundry issues that come with being beings. We need to put up with physical and mental weaknesses or disabilities that some people have. Um, you know, some people have a physical and mental issues that are not just written in big kind of letters, you know, on their sweater here, you know, my name is such and such and I've got this going on in my mind mentally or I've got this going on in my body. But you don't know that. We have to put up with and bear with these things. And we need to bear with... Um, the extremities of, uh, of age-related issues as well, right? Um, we need to bear with, uh, we had some children up here. Uh, we need to bear with children. Well, get what? We need to bear with older people too, you know? Um, so, so we just, all these things, uh, yeah, it's there. We need to bear with one another, and what, that's what we need to put up with. Um, on the flip side of that, just real briefly, what do we not need to put up with? There's certain things, the Spirit of God saying that we need to bear with one another. What do we need to bear with? I mentioned a list of things. What might be some things that we don't need to bear with? Well, in the church of Jesus Christ, we do not need to bear with gross, willful, persistent sin. Okay? At some point, there are issues. It's not time to bear with them because there are issues that threaten the spiritual well-being of the individual concerned. And love now says, I, I'm sorry, in love, I can't, um, I may bear with it patiently, but it doesn't mean to say I'm not going to say anything at some point in love. So we don't need to bear with gross, willful, persistent sin that has no place in the church of Jesus Christ, uh, except that, of course, all of us make mistakes. We may repent, we may apologize. Oh, yeah, that's great. Like, we're all about that. But to be in gross, continual, persistent, willful, we don't need to bear with that in the church, okay? Um, but at some point, yes, if it threatens the spiritual well-being of the person involved who we love or, or, or the church as a whole, remember Jesus talks about the leaven of sin. You know, we're not just going to stand back and watch just some kind of issue just infiltrate the church and wreck the church. You know, that's not to the glory of God. Um, so we don't need to, to put up with that. I mean... Please don't. I'm trying my best to communicate. Please don't take my words and get them out of context or something. I think we all know in maturity the kind of balance and all this. Um, the other thing is that we, we don't need to put up with, and again, don't get me wrong on this at all. Um, I think you know that I'm an evangelist and I have a great heart and burden for the lost. Okay? Where do you find them? out there, God said, go. That's because here, 
is not a, primarily a place for the lost. It's not primarily a place for people that do not yet know the Lord. Although people that don't yet know the Lord are welcome, they're welcome to come, and if the Spirit of God would be pleased to work with them in, in a gathering which is primarily for people who have been called out to Jesus Christ. This is for the church. This is for saints. Uh, people that don't yet know the Lord, they're welcome to be here, and they're welcome to learn or glean or get saved here. That's okay too, you know. I mean, God said go, but if they come and get saved, then praise God, it all works, right? But um, we don't need to put up with um, the, the, the lack of capacity of the lost to participate in spiritual things. We don't need to put up with that. And we don't need to accommodate it. We don't need to change our practices to appease it. Okay? Uh, for those who cannot get on board with, with gathering the name of Jesus because they have not yet come to know the Lord, you know, that's fine. Basically, take it or leave it, you know. Um, come and get saved or go away and get saved. But this is for the church, and we don't really need to bear up with that. So, okay, just a couple of things. There are a long list of things we need to put up with, and there's a couple of things that in wisdom and prudence we don't need to put up with. Third of all, who we need to put up with in this verse. What we need to put up with, who we need to put up with. It just says bear with one another. Uh, and the, the one another, if you actually, I know this seems really obvious, but I'm like thinking about it, like, oh, yeah. One another, um, yeah, that's your wife, you know. There's no point in bearing with everybody, but you don't bear with your own wife, right. or you don't bear with your own husband, you don't bear with your own children, you don't bear with your own in-laws. You've got to bear with your in-laws. Bear with your, your and, and bless God, some people have got these wonderful godly families where literally everyone in their family is like a believer, you know. Um, you got to bear with your in-laws. You got to bear with your parents. You got to bear with your siblings, um, and you got to bear with, of course, the regular brothers and sisters in the Lord. This verse ref refers to forbearing, bearing one another in love. God wants us to do that. And finally, point number four: um, like, who is this for? Like, who really needs this the most? The people who are being put up with, or the people who are doing the putting up with? Well, the people who are doing the putting up with are probably being put up with by somebody else, aren't they? But it's like, who needs this the most? We actually need to bear with other people. You know what? Um, if you could switch all that, sometimes you feel like, oh man, I wish I could just switch all that off where there's issues, there's just little niggles and stuff, stuff constantly coming up having to bear with people. You, you kind of wish part of your wishes you could just switch it off and it could all be fixed, you know? Well, like, actually, you know, we need that. We need to have to put up with the frailties, the weaknesses, the sins, the unfaithfulnesses of other people as God and other people are putting up with those in us. We need to put up. Remember when God said to the Israelites, he said, I haven't, I've left some enemies in the land. Remember he said that? So you can learn how to fight. <clears throat> we need to have ample opportunities to bear our cross to deny ourselves, and to live in sobriety and self-control. We need that. To say no to our self-life, our carnality, our opinions, our desires on a daily basis in various forms. Because um, we need to keep in shape, you know, in that area. Because if you get out of shape in that area and just fall into this life of everything being the way you want it, other people being the way that you want them, you know, if, you fall, if that becomes norm for you, you know, the Word of God also says, 
that somebody without self-control is like a city whose walls are what? Broken down. broken down. What happens to a city whose walls are broken down? The enemy just comes in unhindered and just do what they want when they want. So we need to kind of stay in shape, you know, um, with, with, with the crosses that we bear in life and in this area, putting, bearing with one another in love because we need it. We need it too. Um, like I said, in time, we would be in pretty bad shape and we'd be sitting duck with the devil. Uh, so just really simple message today uh, in a way. I mean, I know Ephesians 1 through 3 isn't simple. It's just like choo, outer space. It's, it's amazing just to get ourselves filled up on the mystery of the hugeness of the work of God. But just this down-to-earth will of the Spirit of God. Um, let's believe God that he'll help us in it. <clears throat> Dear God, I could probably speak for myself and maybe for others here who at times, God, we just felt like, oh, we just don't want to put up with this or that anymore. And God, just around about that time, you remind us that you've put up with plenty in us and that we need to put up with it and it's never going to some degree, putting up with something is never going to go away. It was right there in the early church. It's right with us today, God. But we thank you that your grace is sufficient um, to, uh, to keep us beautiful and to be pleasing to you. And uh, thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.